Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Let Me Talk. Yay! Yes, guys. Yay! It's been officially... Woo! How long has it been, Callum? It's been a long time. It's, it's been, been one year. One year of the show. We're back for our second year, guys, and we can't wait. We've got a brilliant guest for you this evening, Barry Will. Uh, would you like to sort of just... Start us off by saying like what you're you're doing at the moment and how you're doing and just sort of give us a little rundown. Yeah, of course. I didn't realise I'm the first guest on after after a year hiatus. What what an honour. Um but yeah, no, I'm so now currently after uh everyone left for summer and you've come back and I am now officially the, the president of the student union. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a lot actually. It's been there's a lot of different things, a lot of different things going on just now with the union, with the university, with oh my god, the, the I've come in and I basically came in with this mantra of I'm going to try and find out everything I can, and <laughs> as I've started to find things out, expose all the secrets. <laughs> yeah, as I've started to find things out, not so much secrets, things that people hadn't really thought of. Um, that are going to define my year that we can we can touch on later yeah. but but like it is so much information has has that you've got to learn coming yeah. into this job you know because you're advocating on like a million different issues yeah. um and you kind of need to be an expert on all of those issues yeah. um but it's been great so far like we've got such a fantastic team mm-hmm. um of sabbatical officers um and yeah i'm really excited for for the next few months coming up so you're uh you're 27 if i'm right yeah i got that so how long have you been sort of like in uni for sort of in this sort of space i've been in st andrews for four years Mm -hmm. um so for the last four years and then i also when i first left school um i went and studied architecture for a few years oh wow although that is a seven year degree and i know crazy isn't it out of that yeah i tapped out of that like um two and a bit years in um as did most people <laughs> who studied it so then i went and i actually i went traveling for a while and i went and lived abroad for a little while um and i lived in cambodia um and in china and so then wow. yeah by the time i then came back to university um i was 23 so now 27 so how did you how did the i'm gonna say story but how did you get from starting university to then get interested in sort of like student housing situation and then cash if that makes sense um cash was a funny one like my story with cash because i started in it i i hadn't actually heard of it um i don't know like my dad is a trade unionist and he has been like he can you explain what a trade unionist is for some people that might not know yeah I, so if you're in a trade union it's like all the workers who are striking just now and um, so you're in a union a workplace union um and it kind of operates in the same way as the union here. Like, it's the same principle. It's a membership. Um, and then there is, you. There's through the power of the members, um, you can advocate as, like, a block. Um, and so usually it's in workplaces. Um, and my dad has always been a trade unionist. Like, he, um, I don't know if it's to be proud of or not proud of, but he, like, led the most violent workers' strike since the miners wow. Um, wow. In, in Dundee um, and he got arrested and things for it and actually put in jail for a little while um, because he there was some awful things going on in his workplace and he's just always been a man like the very 
the very first book that he ever told me to read, and God knows what age I was, was The Ragged Trousered Philanthropists, which was all about like working class solidarity and working class people. So I guess I always had that in me. Yeah. And then I came to St. Andrews, obviously saw the housing market, was a bit detached from it, to be honest, because I was working so much all the time. Like I was always worked when I was at St. Andrews. Um, and I was work pretty unreasonable hours, so it was just there's just not time to get involved in advocacy and yeah. things. So was um, it like a specific moment or like one major event that like sort of sparked that? It event? was, yeah. Um, it was one one of one of my best friends then became director, and so she started to speak to me about it. And I was already like really, I was in the middle of having director to move cash. house. Yeah, yeah right. my friend Lily. And I was in the middle of, I knew I was about to have to move house because my rent was being increased. This was before like the rent freeze. Um, and I knew it was about to become unaffordable for me, even though I was working, like I was getting up at 5 a.m. to get to Morrison's to do this, you know, shift and work several times a week and then try and balance uni with it. And it, and it was actually genuinely a lot. And like, I was kind of at my max and yet my rent was going up even more. And I was about to move out of a house with like my best friends. So, um... Yeah, it kind of spurred me in, and I guess the the rest is history. Then, I, as soon as I got in, I got so passionate about it, and I started to learn everything I could about housing. And then I realised, wow, this is actually such a unique situation in St Andrews compared to the rest of the you know, there's housing crisis in lots of places. But this is a very unique one, um, and uh, yeah, I just threw everything I, I've got at. And cash uh, for the audience, which is the campaign for affordable student housing. Could you explain um, to the audience how that differs from, let's say, your normal accommodation, um, it's not society, uh, accommodation sort of... The subcommittee. Subcommittee, there you yeah. go. Uh, with the union, how would cash differ from that? I think cash is a good example of what's called outside power. Um, I think to be effective in things, you need inside power and you need outside power. And that's the kind of transition that I've gone on with going into president. Um, inside power is when you've already got good relationships with the people that you're, that you're trying to hold accountable. Um, and you work with them. And sometimes those relationships aren't productive, but there always needs to be someone on the inside who can translate the frustration of people um, and translate it, convince the people in power of to say, look what's going on out there. These people are angry. Here's what you need to do. Outside power, I think that's what cash was effective at, is it gave all these people who didn't really have a voice um, and let them exercise that through through protest and through action and through helping the community as well, but through sharing stories about housing. I really built a community around it. Um, so I think it's cash is like the outside part of it. It's all under the same objective, I would argue. Um, but uh, cash was a lot more... Cash was the accommodation subcommittee with a megaphone. <laughs> yes, I guess. and you guys held with Cash. Um, you girls, you guys, you guys had uh, protests throughout town. I remember you had a few of those, and you had sit-ins, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Can you talk to us because I remember that really. I mean, I've been here since uh, September 2020, um, but I really. Felt they really took off, I would say, in the last academic year. Like maybe not to take off, but really reached new heights. Um, as in, as in cash. Yes. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. I think so. Um. I think when I when that was when I took over. Yes. Um. And I I I definitely came in with, um, a different perspective on how on how we should run the campaign. Um, and 
it proved very successful. Like people, people really, people really liked it, and it's put me in a very good stead now. Um, the 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 voice that Cash sort of promoted everywhere, all the stuff that we did um, from the protests and you know sharing experiences, the setting, which <laughs> which was one of my favorites, um, just to actually be part of and to open zip open your tent and be in the quad, um, yeah. like that was that was a bit of a trip. Um, but I think the most special thing actually about Cash that that when I'm sort of thinking about it now is I realized because most of these people have graduated a lot of people who I who did these things with just how many people came around and banded together people that I never knew before that became my best friends and we all did this stuff because we cared about housing um, and we wanted to make noise about it um, and yeah well I, I know you, you sort of said earlier that St Andrews is a very unique place in terms of like the housing crisis that's going on how exactly like is it unique like how how would you elaborate on that i think so like framing st andrews is a small town a small medieval conservation area town so already there's limits on what can be built on how students can expand um add into that a mix of very low income locals st andrews has the highest rate of child poverty of any town in northeast fife um and so you also have this almost like dystopia of like some of the richest residents um, in Scotland, which St Andrews has the most expensive street in Scotland, the scores. Flip on the flip side of that, um, you have like real poverty in the town within the local population, and then you add into the mix of that this like within this tiny little town, there's a massive university um, that contributes a lot of pressure and has grown a lot. Um, there's locals who can't afford to live here anymore, local families that have been torn up. There is a HMO ban. There is, it is also the home of golf. Like, it is the literal home of golf, which means we get in these busloads of tourists all the time. And all of these different things, like in a normal housing market that goes with supply and demand, there are so many different pressures and aspects to the St. Andrews housing market that just make it so almost like obscene it's like it's just there is no place really on earth that in such a small area there is such different pressures and demands on housing and so many different people like vying for the place and i think that's what makes it so interesting is that there's a lot of opportunity to fix it there's a lot of things to explore there's a lot of social issues that come out of reading into some of this stuff when you start to unpack it you start to realize just how like imbalance like the housing market is in St Andrews and just it's, it's, it's pretty wild and how do you um because I was and this is a very simplified way of how I explained it to some of my family especially my, my Belgian family who have never been here before I was sort of explaining that there's different populations in town with the student population being the biggest and then you'd have um the local population and then I'd say I'd say like you know tourists tourist population, tourist population. Yeah which is a very simplified way of looking at it, but do you think that there's a way of, especially when it comes to finding housing, of these groups coexisting, especially as the student population is getting higher? Yeah, I do, but I think that needs to come alongside the student population not getting higher. Like there's there's different, there's and, and that comes alongside short-term lets and Airbnbs not being allowed to expand. Um, there's there's limits on the different things that you've mentioned or the different demographics, I guess, that make up our housing market that can mean that we can live together pretty fine. There's not going to be animosity between different groups. 
Um, not that there ever should be, because it's not the groups at fault that that have contributed to this. It's lack of policy. It's the you know the university in some ways. It's lots of different things. But I think yeah, there is there is a future where everyone who wants to live in St Andrews can live in St Andrews. But to do that, we need like actual policy that is going to limit some of the problems we're seeing. How do the um, rent prices for you know students compare to the rest of the universities around Scotland or even the UK? St Andrews um, has, so uh, this was in a report by Protect Your Bubble, which is online, I think it was from 2022, um, but it's very hard to get like accurate data on this stuff, yeah. you know, in real time. Um, St Andrews had the most expensive halls of residence um, of any UK university outside of London. Um, that did include catering, and there's quite a lot of catering in St Andrews, but our catering is also obscenely expensive like it's 12 pounds a day i i don't spend 12 pounds a day on food um and people are forced into that contract they don't really get a choice um and so st andrews is is it is difficult to match it up nationally but and the at least the data that we do have that does that or attempts to do that it paints st andrews as being one of the most expensive places in the uk and it has got worse because St Andrews also the last summer that we've seen rent has just skyrocketed why why is it skyrocketed what are the factors I think the fact I mean so the context of that is St Andrews already has the landlord yield um for which is the amount of profit that like a landlord can get off renting their property like the percentage that they make in profit St Andrews has three times higher than what the average is across the UK um, as a percentage like that that is obscene um, St Andrews is already massive profiting uh, area for renting but uh, oh wait sorry I lost my train of thought <laughs> it's like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like <laughs> no that's fair um, thank you Star th- for the late slot <laughs> <laughs> I mean we I was also gonna I was wanting to ask you a little bit about HMOs because this is sort of a term that we hear like being like thrown around a lot do you, do you want to maybe sort of just clarify what a HMO is it, and, and and its effects on the on on the population and housing? Because I know there is a lot of like spare rooms sort of like under lock and key in St Andrews because of HMO. I mean that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're able to maybe kind of talk a little bit about that, yeah, of course. Um, HMOs are houses of multiple occupancy, so it's like a licensing scheme that's introduced by local councils to um, any property that has three or more people living in it that are unrelated. Um, so virtually every student property that's, you know, three yeah, bedrooms sure. is, is going to need a HMO. Um, the HMO ban thing is it was allowed by the Scottish government to be introduced in local areas um, where they think there was too much expansion of HMOs. So it was introduced in St Andrews. I mean, the ban has been in some form for like over 10 years, so like a long time. It's only really got, for those initial first years, it was just in like the very, the conservation area of St Andrews, like North Street, South Street. Um, but that's now grown and it's now it now encompasses the entire town and basically it limits anyone applying for a new license, um, which means that because it's been in place for a good few years now, like in that capacity, that landlords now new landlords coming to the market if a house sells and someone buys it and wants to rent it, new landlords can't apply for another license, um, and so houses that are showing up on the market landlords are limited by five councils policy yeah. to actually rent it to students 
Well, it seems almost like logical that they should be able to, I mean, considering there's a housing crisis. So why isn't that the case? Why can't we just, like, why can't there be sort of an appeal and, uh, like, a, I don't know, maybe like a loophole or a way around this ban that's clearly, like, hindering students' ability to, to yeah. live in St Andrews? The reason it was imposed, though, is because Fife Council believe that the that this will help the local population get houses. Right. So there but the thing is the data doesn't tell us this like we've had data for a long time and every year the student population increases and the local population decreases st andrews the way i sort of see it and the way five council refused to see it like they they never listened to this argument but the local population in st andrews is reducing like i'm from dundee i know plenty of people who grew up in st andrews no one wants to grow up and live for the rest of their life in St Andrews because it's a small town. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a beautiful town. Yeah, we come here to study for four years. That's yeah. amazing. But like, if you're a local who went to Madras and you've spent 18 years of your life here, you want to leave. You want to leave, yeah, yeah. And if you do want to stay, then what is here for you? Like, what, to go and work in a hotel on minimum wage for the rest of your life? Or the industry is all hospitality in yeah. St Andrews. And that's a reality that Five Council need to face. There isn't lo young local families who grew up here wanting to live here as it is and that contributes to the decline in the local population um and so you know it's that's that's what i think is happening here there is obviously a factor that yeah the growth in student population is um making it unaffordable for people to live in st andrews but that can be resolved by having things like rent controls like five council can impose that in the area they can make it a rent pressured zone um, they don't need to be targeting specific demographics when it's not their fault. And it just it just causes problems for everyone, you know. Mm. Landlords, instead of doing HMO, they just go to short-term lets. Yeah. If, if there is such a big housing crisis, why are St Andrews, like you're saying, letting in more students? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, like, that's one that I've been, like, looking into now, and it's actually more complicated than you would think. Is it because of COVID? The COVID was one of them, and next year we'll actually see the phase out of that COVID uh, cohort. Right, okay. So because that you know the, we had that big bulk of numbers, and that's contributed for four years each year. That's to, me. That, that's <laughs> me yeah, as well, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you guys caused the housing crisis. <laughs> oh, um, thank God! At least I'm recognised for something. <laughs> yeah. But like that, no, that number that we let in, which you know wasn't the university's fault necessarily. Like there was some things that they did with postgrads at the time that definitely were their fault, and they should take accountability. But the the COVID entrance contributed to to an increase in numbers. The university is wanting to say that we're going to settle out at ten thousand. I think just now we're at 10,000, 10,400, 10,300, something around there. Um, but, you know, the university, I from what I can see on the inside, they've built this algorithm. It does, they are reduced, they have massively reduced offers that they're giving out. Really? The thing is, though, St. Andrews then got named number one last, like, last two years ago. And so last year, they massively reduced the offers by thousands. And then suddenly, lots of people firmly accepted their place. And they hadn't anticipated that. You know, it's like a kind of imbalance. You kind of guess what people are going to do and you use a trend. But the thing is, St. Andrew's suddenly being named number one in The Guardian, like in 2022 or something, mm. um, that changed the game because suddenly everyone's like, yes, I want to go to the number one uni. And they the model couldn't have anticipated that. I think yeah. we're going to see the same again. And this is why I'm having conversations with the uni because now St. Andrew's is about to be named, about to be on the biggest TV show in the world in The Crown. And that yeah, will drive yeah. yes, so yes. many more people to be like, I want sure. to live there, I want to go there. And the model needs to take that into account. Do you think this 
like increase in um, exposure to St Andrews will mean that there'll be l less domestic students accepted in. So students from Scotland. Because I already know it's a relatively, I mean, mm. I'm guessing here, but I'm, re I'm guessing it's a relatively low number compared to international students. And obviously that's because domestic students don't pay a fee. Yeah. Um, do you think that the, the domestic population in standards, student population, will have to decrease? Or is there like a rule in place where there's like a specific number that we have to keep in the university? Or is that going to be sort of in danger? The, yeah, there is quotas for domestic students. Um, and specifically quotas for domestic students from like low incomes or disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, and so there is things like the university is held to account in some way to it. Like they can, they quite often, most UK universities, most Scottish universities, sorry, do end up, uh, at least the big ones, break those those limits and, and they have to pay fees. Um, but that, that kind of is the way that we're going. Although what the big thing that I've learned coming into this job is that like I think <laughs> that the housing crisis is tied into that issue of Scottish students coming to university because the Scottish government, as I find out, actually, you see when you say, oh, we get free tuition. Like, Tom, where are you from? I pay international fees. You pay international fees. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Although I am, I am, a, I am a, a member of the audience can hear this, but I'm a British citizen as well. But oh, I qualify. And I'm also European. I'm European and British citizen. Oh my God, that burns even fees. more. Um, again, I'll reiterate, I'm so sorry. Um, but it's all your fault. <laughs> I'm on it. But, um, like, as a Scottish person, we don't pay tuition fees, right? This, we get the, the Scottish government says, you know, we free education for everyone. It costs Is there 12... both, like, pros and cons to that? Yeah, massive, massive. Right. It's, like, literally decimating the sector because, and it's causing the housing crisis because universities, the Scottish government, so it costs St Andrews £12,000 to educate a student. But the Scottish government doesn't pay anywhere near that for Scottish students yet. So they make a loss on every Scottish student they admit. Even the UK government, so the £12,000, remember the UK government pays, what, 9250 to the university. So they're making like a two, three, almost £3,000 loss on every single UK student. So the only thing that they can do to stay in pace with like rises in inflation and energy costs and construction costs for growing the campus and all these different things, their funding model in Scotland basically says you need to grow in student numbers. You need to increase your international student population. Yeah. And in the last few years, across Scotland, like we have seen massive increases yeah. in the international and postgraduate populations, which are driving housing crises in every single university, town and city. So it's all interlinked. Like everything, you know, all roads lead to Rome. And, I, and <laughs> I'm starting to see like all the roads are leading to, to Scottish government specifically. Like if you want to give us free tuition, you need to be funding our universities properly because otherwise the consequences aren't just the universities, you know, some of them going broke and, and not being able to pay their staff, um, but they have very real social Im social impacts for our university towns like St Andrews. The growth of St Andrews is having real harm on the local residents. Um, and so, yeah, I think back to back to your point about domestic students, because, um, you know, I think that's it's, it's, to, to, it's important to frame it within that. Um, if we continue on this path, um, then yeah, like Scottish students aren't going to be able to afford to come here, especially the the SAS, the loans that we get. Um, St Andrews, 
and very many university cities and towns are rapidly becoming unaffordable for Scottish students. Um, and yeah. I think something needs to be done. So I'm, I'm sure you've probably thought of this before, but and it's a very complicated issue. But what is what are the choices for a solution? For a solution to what I just said, yes. the last thing, I the Scottish government needs to fund universities. Right. Like it's it's as simple as that. The Scottish government and the UK government, like in 2003, I think it was, if I remember off my head, like it used to be funding for universities was 75% funded from government and 25% from tuition fees. That's now flipped. So it's now 75% from tuition fees and 25% from government. So the government's just kind of sat back and been like, you know what, we'll let this happen. We know universities are going to absorb the... the we, we can spend this money in some other way. Yeah. But we're now at a point where it has reached like a crisis, yeah. um, where there's housing crisis, where there's a cost of living crisis and universities now can't help their students because mm. they don't have discretionary funding, where they can't afford to pay their staff and their staff have been striking for like 10 years, where universities like Bristol have just like made redundancies of entire departments because they can't afford the things anymore. Um, and so the solution comes back to... To government, like if government does as they say and they respect higher education and they respect the sector, then they should be investing in it because this isn't a thing for this. We don't do this for profit. Our lecturers aren't out here for profit. Yeah. And so we shouldn't allow our institutions to their only resort is to turn to profit so they can continue to grow and to, to invest and develop. Like, I, I don't think that's right. I think as other European countries do. Government should it should be centrally funded from government and majority. What what can the university itself do? Uh, what resources do the university have to assist in this student housing crisis, if anything? In the housing crisis, um, they've got this massive lobbying power. It's always like I'm like, why are you not saying something? Because if you say something, right, you're the biggest employer in Fife, so. All the people that you employ, like you have enormous weight to the statements that you say. Not only that, you're number one university in the UK, number one in Scotland for God knows how many years, right? What the, all these things that they want to chat about themselves, third oldest university in the UK. And yet, when I've said to them, make a statement on housing, you know, I used to say it in cash, and they're like, no, no, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't get, we're not going to get involved in this. And I just, it's something that really does frustrate me. Um, Why do you think they won't give a statement? Because they don't want to messy the waters. Like, the university has... Like, I, I kind of work pretty well with the university now. Like, I came in and, and they saw, like, I'm just a guy who's, like, out here trying to fix things. And I will, like, I will find out what I'm trying to find out. I will push the buttons and, and make yeah. sure. And and they've been receptive to that. Like, and they've, they've kind of given me what I wanted so I can, like, understand more about it and figure out how we're going to fix it together. Um, but the university have this thing of, Right, we're not going to like dip our toe in that water. Like we, the private housing market is the private housing market. They kind of see it as like they're doing their own thing. So they're building Albany Park, they're building Gap Site, they're building these other developments. Um, and so they think they're fixing it on their end, right? With the they they only think they're responsible so, for. So it's both an issue of pub of university and private housing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. So for me, it's an issue. It, it depends where you sit on the fence. I guess it depends how much money you've got, probably. But for me, like, as a the housing crisis is an issue of both parts. Our halls are far too expensive. Yeah, 
our private housing market is absolutely insane. Like it is far too expensive. There's far too many issues like the HMO ban, short term lets, all these different pressures causing it. Um, and and I think the university has lobbying power though to like actually campaign Fife Council to say, no, you shouldn't like stand up. Like you shouldn't have a HMO ban or you need to take action on short term lets because the university is calls itself a guardian of this town. But these things are impacting the locals as well. And the university has a responsibility here. I think, you know, they stand up when there's these big issues across the world and across the globe. And, you know, they make statements on what they think is right and what is wrong. Yet for something as local as like housing three streets from College Gate, where the where the principal works, they, they you know, keep their mouth closed and, mm. and they don't say a word. Yet things are spiraling out of control so fast that like, I, I think the university does have some lobbying power here. Um, you know, they they don't make the decisions. That's that's important to frame. Like they're not up there in Five Council getting to dictate what they do. Like Five Council is its own department, its own central government, like local government. Um, and sometimes they don't listen to the university. But the university needs to be advocating for students right now, and they need to be communicating like that. They understand students are going through this, and they're trying to fix it for them. Like. At the very least, that's what students expect. Yeah. Um, what are you, you yourself, currently working on in terms of this whole situation? What are the next steps in the short term for everyone in St Andrews to kind of know and work on? Yeah. So, like, the the next steps for me are definitely um, one thing that I find out coming into this is all these different parties. No one really has any data. And so I want to collect that data. I want to do a massive accommodation survey, run it over the next while, and then can use that to inform so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to understand is like, because it's fair enough cash to like sit here and say, is rent is too expensive. But unless we get the data across the entire student population, or at least a majority of it, where we can say, you know, this is, this is a serious problem that says rent is too expensive for me. This is the impacts that it causes. This is the type of housing that I'm looking for. I don't want ensuite. I want standard or, you know, like we need this data to then be able to advocate. And currently we don't have it. Everyone, all we know, all I know essentially when I go into these spaces is people are really unhappy with housing right now. People Almost everyone says it's too expensive, but you can't, when you take that to the university, they're like, okay, well, what do they want? Like, is it, if we're building new developments, like what do they want from it instead? Is it just cost or is, is it people want en suite, but they want to pay less for it? Like there's, there's different moving parts that we need to understand. So I want to do that over the next few months, collect all that with the SAB team. And then really what I want is the university to reduce the cost of halls of residence. I think they're far too expensive. I don't think there's a reasonable justification for them to be as expensive as they are. I've looked, spoken with plenty of other universities that have similar housing stock and they are not as expensive. We've also had rent increase on rent increase on rent increase. Other universities haven't done that. And so I want a good reason to that. And so we're pushing the university on that. With the other things, now is the time to get that data that's why the data is important because for the local estate agents you've now got to like they can basically just sit back and keep putting up rent and no one can do anything about it like unless they put it up like 300 percent, you just kind of have to accept it because they own the property and so what we want to do is build the stories of it of this is how much harm is actually contributing to our community like you the estate agents who run the businesses in town they live here they grew up here like the staff live here it's about time that they understand just how much an impact that their decisions 
to unreasonably increase rent are actually having on a community. But to do that, you know, we need to collect those stories. So that's that's what I'm wanting to do over the next while. Um, and then really just take that to to um, take that to everyone in power. Um, I've already spoken with five councils, spoken with the government on these issues, spoken with the university. Um, and everyone's kind of like receptive to, to listening what's going to come out of this. Um, and the people in power, there's, it's quite an exciting time because the people in power, I think also because of my election, it turns out there's a lot of people in different spaces like already talking about because it was making a lot of noise. So I think me being elected in, there was like this one guy who, um, who's like a, a councillor for the area and I was speaking to him about it and he was like, oh, when, when we heard that you got elected, everyone in five sat up a bit straighter in their seat. If I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if I may point out to the audience, uh, when the elections happened in May, and this is, uh, uh, Bar- sorry, Barry won by over a thousand votes. Yeah. Uh, just so, just so it's clear, like, sorry. like what Barry's pop- like the, the the impact of Barry's election is. Sorry. Yeah, and I think that's what I did. Like, it's 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 not about me. Um coming into this role it's not by me who i was i'm as a person it's about what i stood for and what my history was i think that's what that's what people then getting really behind that showed everyone who's in power like oh like this that we actually need to be doing something about this now and now there's someone who is in a position of power who we have to speak to who's who's going to unrelentlessly fight for it um so like there is that i didn't expect the university to want to listen as much um but even in the university, you, like you, you feel like they're listening to you more now that you've got this. <laughs> yeah, like definitely. I mean, like I would say, like see, I always see. Yeah, I always saw the university is like there's, there's just this mega institution, right? But at every point of it is human beings, and they all, most of them, came through academia. I mean, Sally Mapstone used to be a trade union rep, like what my dad was. Oh, wow. Didn't yeah. I, I knew she used to be a professor at university. I didn't know she was a trade union rep. She was a wow. trade union rep at, I think, Oxford, yeah. So, wow. um, like, all these people, they go home and they've got families and things. You know, it's very easy, like, when, especially on cash, like, I think some of the things, you know, we, I would say in cash, like, it was because you see the institution. Yeah, but, you just see them as, like, a symbol or, like, an Yeah, right? You don't, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then coming into these spaces, I think I give very convincing arguments of why things need to change. And when I've been given the space to give these arguments and, and I've always like endeavored to just always, always, always bring it back to community and like talk about the power of community and the value of it and why I think it's being lost and what we can do to fix it. And it just resonates with people. And I think, you know, the, uh, there's, it's definitely the other SAB team as well. Like the other people in the SAB team are just, we're really good, I think, as a team of, showing that we really care about St. Andrews um, and that we're not just here to scream and shout about things, but we genuinely care. And because of that, like, I've I've honestly been, like, so surprised by how much all the people in power are actually willing to listen. Whether that means we, we get change, we'll find out. Like, I'm going to keep pushing for it and, and everyone will get to find out as as these projects all, all expand and grow and develop. But, um, yeah, I, I would honestly say that I'm, I'm surprised by... Um, by the university but i think they haven't heard these arguments before like they haven't had a president um recently come in and be like like have you let you know tell them about the story of their neighbor whose whose family everyone in his family's moved out because they can't afford to live here like they've not heard these stories before but when they hear them they sit and they listen and they're like 
you know they they really take it in um and i think cash gave an opportunity for people to just say oh they're just this for in the university literally i've seen emails where they're just like ignore them they're just this camping group and people did but now that they've put a face to it and now they see that actually it's someone who genuinely cares um yeah like it it does seem to be working better, but you know, I always, I, t- I told them in university court, I was like, I, I'm happy with this, but like, I'm still going to keep the fire under your feet. Like, this is not like you. There's things that you need to do to fix this. They can't, they can't ignore you now. That that's that's the thing. It's it's it's, you know, you're now the representative and you know of of the student body. You know, it, it, yeah. it's and I don't mean to just put that as necessarily pressure for you, but I think also from the university side, we've elected you. So it's uh, 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 it's very much a representation of our voice that you're here, and I think partially, and this is a bit my opinion, but they can't ignore that. And if they ignore that, they ignore the will of the students and they ignore their own students by ignoring you. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But uh, you know, it's not like they've ignored presidents before. Like this, this is the the. I'm not sure if under Sally Mapstone, but like. Um, definitely under previous principles like they, they it's easy other in universities as well literally just shut out presidents um and so that was a bit of a risk i was like oh my god what's what's gonna happen and but do you it's... think it's different with you do you think they're listening to you yeah yeah like like i also have my wits about me like as i say my dad's a trade unionist like um i've i've done a lot of different stuff in these spaces before like I've worked with people in power and I've worked with people I don't like who are in power who don't take things seriously and just chaps and nonsense. And I like, not not that I like, but there's definitely opportunity here for us to get some wins. Like the university is definitely like willing yeah. to like sort of work with mm-hmm. us. What what are those wins? Like say like there's, there's like a five year plan. What would be like the perfect situation uh, in five years? What would you be really happy to see St Andrews be like in five years? I, in five years, I is that like, too short a time? Um, no, I don't think so. No, that definitely shouldn't be. Um, because a lot of the things that they could do could happen within the year. For example, um, reducing um the rent in halls of residence. Um, a lot of these things, like you know, if you're going to drastically reduce the rent, then you need to change the funding model. You need right. to change. You need to get into this. Takes so this has is to why done, it has to be done gradually. Yeah, 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 it has to be done gradually. This is why it takes into account like government funding. This is why we're going to be launching a campaign on that because we can't tell the university you need to take down a massive portion of your income when you actually don't have as much income as most people think. Like universities are pretty skint. St Andrews is is. Not completely skint, but like it has a lot, a lot less money than you would ever think. Um, and so you can say to them, like, if I was to come in, I wouldn't be effective if I tell them, right, reduce your rent. But at the same time, I'm not going to advocate for the changes in the funding structure to make sure that you can continue to be a sustainable university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like lots of different moving parts. Um, I think that's also why the university are listening. Mm-hmm. Because before people would just come and say, no, reduce the rent. But now that we've we've looked into everything and we can see the university is now working with us. So they're giving us all the data they have on the funding cuts across Scotland. Sally Mapson's like president of the university's UK. So kind of good position to get all that really key data to build a campaign around that normally you don't get. So the university is so, so like a sort of give and take. You know, it's like you're giving us this, but like if I'm getting this, then you're I'm sure as hell going to advocate for reduced rent. So the um, most important thing is to sort of work together and try and make sure it benefits everyone yeah um but of those key things that i think that that you were saying um i want 
I guess it depends if the question is directed to the university or or to to, to kind of the housing market yeah. in general. I, I think it's an interesting one. You said both are issues. Are both separate issues or are they con- combined? They're kind of both separate issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because like what And which on one takes priority? Which one is more important? Or is are oh, they both that's a good question. I don't think there is one that that is like we've we have forty percent of our students live in halls of residence. So it's kinda of half and half. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't effectively advocate for one and if you do you're leaving out the other half. And which so Which is more likely to improve though? I think more because likely I guess to improve you can, you soon. Can speak to the like you're saying you've got this genuine connection with the university now. Yeah. Um how does that compare to I mean the the crisis that's out with the university's control, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um I think yeah, the uni one's gonna be easier. Like because course, yeah. because I meet with them every day. Like I've got to have different meetings across all different things and it's good For ways sure. to like bring in these issues. But I don't meet Fife Council every day. Like, you know, you've got to bargain <laughs> yeah, for yeah. a meeting with them guys. For like, sure, yeah. my God, I don't know what the hell they do in their office in Glenrothes, but sure hell it's not, you know, being snappy with their emails. Um, but so that that's going to be bigger. And it's such a wider thing, right? Because like the house, the private housing market is influenced by national policy, like across all of Scotland. Um, things like the rent freeze, yeah, these, ha- these have impacts. But that that took... Living Rent, one of the members' organisations that I'm part of, a tenants' union, um, that took them, like, years and years and years of campaigning and advocating and building that information base that you can then use to convince the people in power that's what we're trying to do this year. Um, And so it's going to be a lot harder. um, And, like, hopefully we can take that anger um, and we can take the frustration, we can take the data that we get to really st- influence the national conversation. That's my kind of plan. Yeah. Um, or just speaking to like MPs and uh, being yeah. lucky to be president of St Andrews because it gets those connections. Um, but that is a much harder yeah. challenge to fight, and we need other student unions across the Scotland to really yeah. join us in it. Well, I was sort of going to question you a little bit about that. So when you say we, are, do you have a sort of team of people around you? Do you have a, a sort of I'm going to say society, but like-minded people that you can converse with and sort of tackle this issue together yeah um yeah across the different issues um i do like what i've been lucky is that over my time in housing um because i didn't just do like you know there was i think a lot of people saw cash but i was doing a lot of different things on housing across scotland at the same time and have been really fortunate actually like i realize how fortunate it is now coming into the position because it's like there's so many different groups that I've managed to connect with who are just invaluable, like like for brainstorming, for campaigning, for like sharing resources, for for delegating tasks and things to. Um, not just within St Andrews, not just within the union, but like within Scotland and different campuses and different student unions. Um so when I say we, like I kinda I kinda use it as like an umbrella term, I guess, but um there is definite there's groups um I mean even with cash, say for example short-term lets like i'm wanting to do work on short-term lets i'm working with cash to do that that's one of the issues i'm working with you know the campaign that i used to run with um but when we're talking about student halls of residence that's more working with the accommodation subcommittee and getting them and being able to work with them and working with some of the other sabbatical officers the national stuff like we're speaking to mps and stuff just now that's me working with my different contacts at different student unions and we're getting together so like when i say we it's kind of it's the networks that you build of sort of activism and things that are branching out and why it's so important to network and so important to 
you know, go to protests and meet people and speak to them because you're going to rely on them someday. Um, and my, those protests from before were so valuable because it built all these networks in town. Um, so that's, yeah, that's who I mean, who, who I mean when I say we. It's a very vague, it's a very vague we, but there is, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of very lovely people behind it. And um, give me one, like two final questions on, on housing, which actually these questions we could go on for 20 minutes, but we sadly only have 10 minutes left. Um, what can, I'll put, I'll put them two in one, like trying to put them together. Yeah. Uh, what can students do if they're in a housing emergency and how do students, so how do we protect ourselves against a uh, predatory landlord or you know, protect yourself against your landlord? Just sort of like advice. Yeah. Advice, yeah. Advice um, uh, just to, 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 to students listening. Okay. Um, this, is not, this is not good for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a personal struggle, no. So I would say if you're, like if you're in a housing emergency, number one place to go is Shelter Scotland. Shelter Scotland is a housing charity. They do like phenomenal work, but they have an online website where kind of all the questions that you've got, like there's someone there to answer. They've got a free helpline. Um, Honestly, the answer to your second question is also Shelter Scotland. Shelter Scotland is so good. Cash relied on it so much um, to get information. If like you're being cheated by a rogue landlord who's trying to like mess you over, there are things, very few people know them. Like, I mean, actually, you know what? I can't say the name now because I took a landlord. I took an estate agent to court and we won. Whoa. Um, and so, uh, what's her name? Carol... Carol Davidson, Carol, if you're listening, Carol Davidson of Premier Let in St. Andrews. Um, yeah, Carol, Carol Davidson, we, we won. We took her to court and we won. Yeah, take um, that, Carol. Yeah, take that, Carol. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's when you're being cheated, right, there, there are little known things about the law in Scotland, about housing law, that protect you. It's just too many people don't know about them. Like, if your landlord's increased your rent by what you think is unreasonable to market rates, there is a process that you can go through to, to appeal that. You can go to a rent officer, your local rent officer. Unfortunately, it does take a bit of work. Like, that's yes. the thing. That's what puts people off, I think. And, and that's very fair that puts people off. Like, people are working God knows how many hours in, like, very low-paying jobs and everything just now. No one has the time. But if you do have the time, go to Shelter Scotland, um, and they can tell you all the, the advice that's there. Um, I would also say then, if you want help, um, there's tenants unions, there's living rent in Scotland, depending where you live. Um, it's not as big in Scotland and St. Andrews because it's more like a local population thing and and it just tends to be bigger in big cities and stuff. We did a lot of work with them here. It's, it's one I used to be a coordinator for them and it's who we won the, the legal case with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and instead, St. Andrews tends to be more like student housing campaigns and things like people in power like me in pres- as president doing doing that sort of advocacy but there is there, there's resources online number one i would always say shelter scotland okay um and pretty much every question you've got could be answered by those guys i think that's incredible advice mm-hmm. that is in- very very good advice so anyone listening shelter scotland uh listen to what barry's saying um and yeah that's actually that's yeah that i i, I I always, I mean, it's, it's been great talking to you, and I expected, you know, a great answer for that, but it's like blown away. That was that's incredibly good advice that people should definitely heed. Um, we've got about just under about five minutes left, I'd say. Five minutes. Five minutes left. Um, so now you're president. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I wish we would have time to talk about your presidency itself. I don't think we'll have time to. Sub- I know it's you've been there since July. Yeah, since July. Um, I don't think we'll have time to necessarily talk about your presidency, but I mean, you could sort of. Yeah, you could sort yeah. of like. I mean, you did sort of talk about it at the beginning. Yes. You can yeah, like yeah. you've linked it. You've linked it in, but yeah, I was sort of like how your presidency has been able to grant you this sort of. Uh, connection with the university that you you never had before on sort of like a personal level yeah um which you found a lot more beneficial uh especially once you put like a face to the people that you're trying to have these conversations with or trying to to make aware of the situation um i guess like how you were saying it just makes it a lot um more real yeah instead of sort of trying to fight the sort of like faceless like symbol of the university. Yeah, uh, what I would also say, like, is then you start to learn the personalities of these people. And this that's might sound like a bit Machiavellian, but but is is the way things work in this world, right? You start to learn who these people are and then you're far more effective at negotiating with them because you know what their pressure points are. So like I know that I'm not gonna name names, but there's certain people in the uni that are gonna be are gonna listen to certain arguments. Because we've spent a little time now getting to know them, getting to know these people, working with them on issues, um, also while the students are gone, it means like like this job is all about negotiating. Because like I literally have no power. Like think about it. Like I'm just in the uni. I can sit back and I can like march people around Market Street, um, but if the people who actually make the decisions don't respect my position enough and aren't convinced by my arguments enough to change, then it means nothing. And so. That's the inside power that, mm-hmm. that I started by talking about outside power in the, the start of the podcast. But like the, the, the inside power that I've now got um, is like translating that, yeah. um, translating that to mm-hmm. actual action. And, and so far, we seem, they seem to be listening. Yeah. What, what is the end point for you? When, do you? when do you step away from the presidency and say, listen, I've done all I can. I've done everything. I'm satisfied with what I have done. What what does that what does that sort of satisfaction look like to you? Just I mean, idealistically, yeah, it's a university where everyone who wants to study here can afford to study here, where um, they don't face unnecessary challenges because of their um, their own personal circumstances. That they feel that the university and the union, you know, like I ran for president of the union, um, they feel that the union represents them, that the union's here for them, it's here to advocate for them. That's the power of a you know a strong student union. Um, I think when when people get to that place um, and there is support, there's resources, or at least we're doing all, and I, and I truly believe that we're doing all that we can in the face of big things that we're not in control of, like cost of living crisis, that we're doing all that we can to support our students then yeah that's that's when i take a step back but that's that's uh, that, i think that's a long time <laughs> <laughs> well i wish you the very best of luck um it's been fantastic it's been talking great to talking to you an absolute nice pleasure time, yeah. um we we covered a lot of points and uh i can't remember what that point was See, my brain went dead for the context i've been meeting since like 9 a.m and when i was like my brain went dead i was thinking through it this i was like what was that pointing at yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so late it's gone, like it's uh we do appreciate you coming on <laughs> yeah i mean I I, I I when i sent you the message i was just like i i, I wouldn't be surprised if you went like I would, but I also need to go to sleep at some point. <laughs> I feel it's definitely been like puppy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. You have a puppy. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has definitely been one of our more like uh, intense episodes. A lot of questioning and like a lot of very, very like serious matter as well. 
Uh, so I do appreciate the sort of uh, mental capacity to be able to do this at such a late <laughs> time. And yeah, we, we'd really appreciate you being here and uh, sort of talking to us. So nice uh, thank you very much, uh, guys. This has been Let Me Talk uh, with Barry Will. With Barry Will. Uh, thank anything, you very much. Anything you'd like to plug uh, before we go off air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any plugs? Anything you'd like to mention? Anything coming up? Anything coming up? Yeah, we're we're setting up a campus lardo, um, which is amazing. Like we're we're setting up in the union. So if you are struggling, not only if you're struggling, but you want to help out, like you can, it's going to be in the union website soon. So it's website. one of one of the ways that we're helping students during the cost of living crisis. Any dates? Anything? Um, so it depends on when we get volunteers recruited. But I have got my fingers, I've got literally every finger crossed to say that like we're going to get this in action and we're going to be able to start distributing food in about a week and a half. Brilliant. 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 Yeah. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has been Let Me Talk. Thank you for hearing us talk. And thank you very much to Barry for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. This was the first show back. We'll see you. Uh, well, this will be uploaded to Spotify. Yep. And uh, while we were trying to record this show over camera, that sadly did not work. We got about 39 seconds of footage, and I think that's not even when the show was starting because <laughs> uh, there was no battery. So, um, however, we will, we are deciding of creating a clips channel as well, which uh, there will be clips uploaded, and it will be on Spotify for people to listen. Uh, Barry, thank you very much. Uh, so, from Barry, from Callum, and from me, Tom. Thank you for listening as always, and good night.